2001, I was running far from God. I had grown up in the church. I had been around uh, God and, and the people of God a lot. And I, I thought I knew who God was. I thought I knew who I was. And I just thought there was too big of a gap between the two. To be honest, on most days, I thought God was disappointed in me. Some days, on hard days, I thought God was done with me. And maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. And around this time, 2001, I had a friend, his dad was a pastor, and he invited me to go on a mission trip to Romania. And the first thing I said is, I don't want to go on a mission trip. And then I said, you don't want me to go on a mission trip. Like, are there no qualifications? Like, what kind of amateur operation are you guys running over there? And he persuaded me, and after several conversations, I ended up in Romania, and we were leading this youth camp, and I had a small group that I would meet with every night of teenagers from Romania. Many of them didn't know Jesus and didn't have any context for church or God or the Bible. And there was this one kid specifically that stuck out. Stuck out. His name was Bogdan. He was 18 years old. The first night, he told me this. He said, Tim, I believe. He was very thoughtful. I believe there's a God. Uh, I can't explain the solar system, this earth, all these things without God, but I don't think we can know him personally. And you got to remember where I was at this time of life. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't close walking with God. And so he would, he was one of those guys, and maybe some of you have, have been there. Uh, he was one of those guys, every single night, he would ask me the hardest questions, the most apologetic questions about God and life and the universe and the Bible. You ever been around that guy? He was in my small group. And so he would ask me these questions, and I would just say every night, Bogdan, great question, I don't know. And I would go back to my cabin, I would grab my Bible, I would grab some leaders, and I'd say, guys, huddle up. <laughs> Here's what this guy asked me. Where can I go in the Bible to find the answers? And they would help me, and I would come back the next day, and I would say, Bogdan, I got your answer. Let's open up to this passage. Let's read this. Let's talk about this. And every single time, you know what he would say to me after I got done? That makes sense. And I would say, really? Like, I don't know if that makes sense to me. How does it make sense to you? And every single night we'd go through this. At the end of the week, Bogdan gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was still, it's still one of the most amazing miracles I've ever experienced, definitely through my life. And, and what was amazing about it was my life was messy, but yet God didn't stay away from the mess like I thought. He moved toward it, and it wasn't even that good. He moved through it to change somebody else's mess through my mess. And I just remember experiencing that. And on the last day of that trip, we were in a church like this, but in Romania, and we were singing this song. And the song simply said this, light of the world, you step down into darkness. And I remember that moment after experiencing all of this, I just thought two things. I thought, one, I think this song is kind of lame, just to be honest. But man, is it true? Man, is it and I did something I've never done before in church. I started to, like my hands, like involuntarily started to go up. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, you did step down into the darkness. And not just that, you, you moved through the darkness. And, and God, I can know you and I can be used by you. And I just, in that moment, on that trip, I just began to surrender my entire life before God. Like, not just in that hour of worship on a Sunday, but like, I wanted to give my life and worship to God. And to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons I'm standing before you today. Now, why tell you that? Because I, I came back home and I, I went to an, a church again and it just started to fade. 
I saw some things like people jockeying for a position in leadership at the church. I saw just trivial conversations like, that's my parking spot. <laughs> or like the, the never-ending debate of hymns versus Hillsong. I know. And I saw some of those, like, which programs are we doing? And I just lost sight of this, this life surrendered to God. God moved down into darkness, moved through the darkness in our lives. Let's give everything in worship to him. And I just... I kind of got, I lost. And, and, and I'm telling you that because I think many of you have been there. And, and here's where we are in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon wants to save us from that. Solomon wants us to not waste our worship. You see, many of you who've been here, you know we've been talking about these two key phrases, hevel, which is vanity in many of your Bibles, or life under the sun. And that's really what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. This word hevel, vanity, it literally means a puff of smoke. And this life under the sun is life apart from God, that all of life, all pursuits, all pleasures, life apart from God, they're like a puff of smoke. They're fleeting, they're frustrating, they're puzzling. But Solomon's going to do something really interesting in Ecclesiastes 5. He's going to say, hey, sometimes life with God, you can waste that too. You can waste even your worship. And so we're going to see, how do we not do that? So Ecclesiastes chapter 5, go to a Bible with me. Uh, you can take your Ecclesiastes journal if you have that, flip a few pages. Uh, you can also take a Bible that's right in front of you under the seat. Ecclesiastes 5. Let's read it together. It says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing, or they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. There's a song that came out of that. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, hevel, a puff of smoke. But God is the one you must fear. So how do we not waste our worship? Here's the first thing you can write this down. Don't be so focused on what you have to say and miss what you need to hear. Don't be so focused on what you have to say and miss what you need to hear. Now, some context. Look at verse one with me. Solomon says, the house of God. Do you see that? You need to know Solomon had a lot of authority and credibility to talk about the house of God. Right, he helped build it. The temple in that day, that was their house of God. Solomon helped build it. He's talking about it right now. Here's what worship looks like. And so we can listen to Solomon knowing that. And he zooms in on our words. He says things like, a fool is rash with their mouth, hasty to speak, speaks a lot. He says specifically, let your words be few. Now, why is this a problem for Solomon? Why is this a problem for God? Well, he gives us a few reasons. Verse seven, look at that verse. It causes you to miss out on the fear of God, the awe of God, because you're too focused on yourself. 
You see, what Solomon is talking about and, and causing us to just to see a picture of is people who come into the church and they're so worried about what they are saying and, and how they look when they are saying it that they, they don't see God in all his glory. They don't fear him that way. They're not in awe of him because they're too focused on themselves. We see examples in, in scripture that, that, that contrast this, like Moses and Isaiah. What did they do when they worshiped God? Scripture says Moses hides his face. Isaiah, he falls down on his face. Why? Because what is at the center is not them, it's God and all his power and majesty and beauty and grace, and that's all they can do. You know what they don't have time for? Assessing whether they liked the music or not. You know what they don't have time for is yapping away themselves. You know why? They, they can't help that. They're just awestruck from God, and they're just like speechless because God is so glorious. And yet how many times, and Solomon is getting at this, how many times do we walk into worship? We're talking, we're talking, we're talking. We're not even looking or listening to God. And many times we'll even say it like this, like, you know, I didn't really like worship today. And hopefully somebody next to you says, that's good because it wasn't about you. We were worshiping God, right? Or like, I don't know if I like this, I don't know if I like his preaching stuff. I don't know if I, why the lights like this? Why did that person get to do this? Just talk, 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 talk. What are you not doing? Looking or listening to God. So the biggest thing, the biggest problem with our, too many words in worship, the wrong kind of words in worship, we miss out on worship. We miss out on God. But that's not it. It's verses four through six. He says, we, we speak in vows but we don't pay them. What's he talking about there? He's talking about going to church and going through the motions and reciting all the things like we did at Ash Wednesday. This is why sometimes liturgical worship, some of you don't like it because it's like we say the thing, then we say this other thing, and it sounds really spiritual, but does it move our heart? And if we're not careful, that is where we can go with our worship, even in a church like this. We can say all the right things, like how are you doing? Blessed. How are you doing, brother? God bless you. And we can leave without ever considering God and blessing and what that even means. We can say a lot of things that sound spiritual. You can look at other people in the church and be amazed at their prayers with their words. Well, that guy must be so spiritual. And we can never consider, but how, how are we, how is he, how is she living throughout the week? You see, the New Testament will talk about our worship is a living sacrifice. So Solomon's saying, don't just bow, don't just say a lot of things and, and not get changed by them. Don't just worship one hour a week and not worship with your life the other, the other 167. This is the trouble we can fall into and waste our worship. That Solomon says, here's what we need to do. It's really complex. You ready? First one, he says, listen. He says, listening is better. One of my favorite things about Wednesday night is we, we had some, some of you might call them awkward silences. We call them like reflective pauses, <laughs> right? Again, go watch the service. It was impactful and it was just really good to train our minds and our hearts just to listen to God. Did you know that God wants to speak to you? Did you know that every single Sunday you're here not by accident, but by appointment? 
Do you know why we say, God, rescue us in our prayer? God, rescue us from simply attending a service, from checking the boxes. You know why we say that? Because God actually wants to speak to you. He wants to convict you. He wants to call you. He wants to equip you. He wants to challenge you on maybe some things you've been doing your entire life. He wants you to stop doing them. He wants you to start doing some things. Husbands, he wants you to start loving and leading your wife. Christians, he wants you to start living as a missionary around the people he's put you around. Believers in Jesus, he wants you to live in community, confess and repent sin. He wants to speak to you. He has something to say to you. None of this is going through the motions. If it is, listen, if it is, it is the lamest hobby on the face of the earth. If we just come in here and say the things and sing the things and leave, Solomon says we are wasting our worship. It's like a puff of smoke. Even that, yeah, it's like hevel. Just like pursuing pleasure. Yeah, if we just go through the motions, yes. Why? Because God has something to say to us. What do we need to do? Listen. Listen. Uh, A few years ago, I just, for me, uh, I speak a lot in church, right? This is really hard for me, right? And so I just started building, I would just pray two things. I would ask. Poor and the violation of justice and righteousness or surprised at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is a gain for land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity or hevel, a puff of smoke. When goods increase, They increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. 
There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb. He shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there for him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation or annoyance and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given for him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So how do we not waste our worship? Here's the second thing you can write down. Money is a gift from God, not intended to replace God, but to be used to glorify or worship God. We realize, how do we not waste our worship? We realize money is a gift from God, not intended to replace God, but to be used to glorify God. Now, I have to give a disclaimer because I think when we talk about money in the church, we think really one of two things, shady or shame. We think, you want my wallet? Okay, I get you. Or you want me to burn my wallet at the altar? And you think maybe, does Jesus even talk about money? You need to know Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. But we kind of think about money this way. We, we reflect and react that way, shady or, or shame. And, and you need to know it's really neither one of those. And we see it in this text. Solomon kind of summarizes this whole conversation around money with verses 18 and 19. Look at those verses. He says twice, God has given him. Then he says, the gift of God. Three times he says, enjoy or rejoice. You need to know, hear me say it, money is not bad. Well, what's the issue? Look at verse 10. What does it say? He who has money, he who has a lot of money. Now, what's the issue? He who what? Loves money. He who has put money above God. That's the issue. So what's Solomon telling us? That if you put money, if you love money, Instead of using it to glorify God, if you put money as the ultimate, it is going to go bad for you. Because you know what? You were meant to worship God and God alone. And so you can waste your worship by how you look at and use your money. And he gives us some very glaring ways that can happen. Verse 8, corruption and oppression. That when you think you own your money, when you love money above all else, you'll start to use other people who don't have money. And you'll start to oppress them. Right? Because you'll lift it up as an idol and you'll do whatever you can to keep it and you'll use other people to get more of it. And listen, I think it's really easy to see when we see that kind of example. It's easy to look at governments. It's easy to look at other countries, even our country at times and, and the poor and the homeless and how other people are in power who have a lot of money out there do this. But listen, we do this. I remember when my, we just had two kids. We have three kids now. My, my two kids were really little. Uh, one day, my daughter came home with a My Little Pony bracelet. And she was about five years old, and my son was about three years old. And he didn't know who My Little Pony was, and he didn't care about bracelets. You know what he cared about? What his older sister had. And so it was like World War III at our house. Like, 
I mean, they were fighting over this bracelet, and finally, parents, you can relate to this, finally, I just, I grabbed the bracelet, I'm like, if we can't be kind to one another, parents, come on, then nobody's getting this bracelet. And I put the bracelet in my pocket until later that night when I'm putting my oldest daughter to bed, again, about five or six years old, and right before she's going to sleep, pray with her, I say, take the bracelet out of my pocket. And I say, baby girl, do you still want this bracelet? And here's what she said to me, Dad, I think we should hide it. (laughs) I mean, it was like Smeagol with the rink. I mean, the look I saw in her eyes at like five or six years old, I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) What's the reality? May you place possessions, money at the top of your list in life. May you do some really corrupt things, amen? You you start oppressing your little brother (laughs) and people in the community. And we've seen that. Solomon says, don't do that. Don't treat money like that. Not only will you waste your worship, you'll hurt other people. But that's not all he says. He says, if we make money the ultimate, if we act like we own it, we will have anxiety. Money will give you anxiety. And college students, you need to embrace this. Because <laughs> you, you think all the time, like, Tim, I'm broke. I don't have enough money. Verses 11 and 12, they're going to tell you, you should sleep well. Because rich people, you know what, they, they have little sleep because they're thinking about all the stuff they have. And people can break in and take it. And what about this stock? And, and is it rising? Is it falling? What about my home value? And if, if you don't have money, you need to thank God because you can sleep well. And you also, verses 11 and 12, you don't have to worry if people are taking advantage of you. Solomon's going to say, hey, the more goods you have, the more money, resources you have, the more people you have who want to eat those goods. How many of you have seen the stories on the news? Somebody wins the lottery, and it doesn't go well for them. All the family and friends that they ever knew or kind of knew come around, and it doesn't go well because you don't really know who your friends are at that point. So Solomon says, hey, if you make money the ultimate, it will give you anxiety. It will also give you emptiness. Verse 10, he says it doesn't satisfy. Verse 14 and 15, you eventually lose it in a bad business deal or at the end of the day in death. But if you make it ultimate, if you worship money, instead of using your money to worship God, you will eventually be empty. It doesn't matter how much money you get. Naked you came into the world, naked you're going to leave it, right? It gets really graphic. You can't take it with you. You know, as a pastor, I've had the privilege to be around people as they are getting close to death. I've been in some hospital rooms where people are near the end, and they want me to come at that point. And you know what they don't want, and you know what they don't care about is their stock portfolio. You know what they're not asking of me or their family in that moment? Hey, in my hospital bed, last few days before I die, you know what, if I just one wish, you know what, can you sit me by the window and pull around and bring my convertible so I can look at it? or my SUV, or my minivan, you know, like however you roll. I just want to look at, that's what I want. My last few days, I just want to look at my car. I just want my credit card statement, my bank statement. I just want, no, you know what they want at the end of day? Prayers and people. That's what they want. At the end of the day, if you put money up as ultimate, if you think you own it, if you love it, you will be empty. And Solomon says, I don't want you to go there. I want to save you from the pain of that. And yet some of you I know will push back on this and say, well, Tim, 
I don't have a lot of money or, you know, money's not an issue for me. The first thing I would say is if you think you don't have a lot of money, you are rich. If you're in this room in Phoenix in 2022 and you have an iPhone, growing up where you just, if you were just grew up in this area, you're richer than a big portion of our world. So you need to rethink from a worldview of how much money and how much possessions you actually have, that it is all a gift from God and you have some gifts. But maybe you still think, well, yeah, but it's not just a problem. It's not really a problem for me. You can replace money with anything else. Maybe it's not money for you. Maybe it's fitness. Maybe the way you use your time, talent, and treasure, if you looked at your bank account, if you looked at your time in the week, you put fitness. You love that. Maybe for some of you, it's your kids. You look at your activities, your schedule, your own heart and your hopes for your kids and you're trying to relive your dreams that didn't work out through your little kids. And maybe that's at the top of the list for you, functional in your life. Someone's like, okay, let's put that. That's how you can waste your worship is you're worshiping the wrong thing. I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for some of you, it's just being seen, like he talked about towards the beginning. Maybe it's being seen about your words in the church, and, and you want people to think, I'm a righteous guy, and, and, and you network in church, and you just, as long as everybody there likes me, then I'm good. Maybe that's what it is for you. I, I don't know what it is for you, but you need to figure it out and see, what do I have above God? Uh, Augustine used to talk about it this way, the great theologian, disordered loves. That we have some things that we love above God. And you need to think about what is that for you. That's why we're doing this season of Lent. It's not to go through a ritual. It's not to manufacture shame or guilt. It's to cause us to re-examine and to give up lesser things like money, like fitness, like social media, whatever it is for you, to give up those lesser things and to show with our lives we want the greater thing. We want to worship God and God alone. That's what this whole season is about. And maybe some of you are struggling with that, if you're honest. Do you want to give up my social media? My, my phone for a week? Man, that's like, it's like an IV. It's attached to my arm. I don't know if I can yank that out and still survive. So you want me to give up my money? You want me to give up this, this time of these hobbies? Yeah. Because it's revealing, it's showing, it's causing us to eventually worship God. That's the whole point. And Solomon wants to bring us to that. You need to know that everybody worships. You know how I know? How many Phoenix Suns jerseys I'm seeing lately. I know they're number one in the West. I'm not a Suns fan. I know, I'm sorry. But we're seeing like Devin Booker jerseys. Like, like grown men wearing a jersey of another grown man. And maybe sports isn't your thing, but you're like, I went and watched the Batman on Friday night, and I wore my little Batman mask with all my friends. Why do you do that? Because you want to worship. You were designed to worship. Are you worshiping the worthy one? Are you worshiping some lesser ones? That's the question. You're going to worship. Are you going to worship God? Are you going to worship yourself? Are you going to worship God? Are you going to worship money? Are you going to worship God? Are you going to worship words? What are you going to worship? 
And Solomon wants to bring us to that point of like, let's not waste our worship on lesser things. Let's make our worship glorify the worthy one, God himself, and bring joy for ourselves in that process and good for others. You see, when I was in Romania, you know what my problem was? Even in that moment, even as my friend tried to get me to come to that mission trip, and I was like, you know what? I'm too, they're too far apart from God. The gap is too great. You don't want me there. Are there not qualifications? Like, you know what my problem was? I was at the center, not God. And you know, some of you, you're like, you're doing well in the Christian life, and you're not like I was in 2001. Maybe you're walking closely with God, but, but you like to talk a lot, and you like to let people know how many verses you know, and you, like, you kind of have a strut when you walk into church, and you're like, I knew all the songs, I don't have to look at my table of contents. In my Bible, you're like, I, you theolog- Calvinism, Arminianism, what do you want to talk about? And some of you, you're doing well with God. You know what the problem with that is? You're at the center And Solomon's trying to say, whatever end of the spectrum you are on, remove yourself from the center. Remove these other things from the center and replace them with God himself. You know how you do that? You cling to the cross of Christ. You cling to the cross of Christ. Some of you are thinking, yeah, Tim, I need to change my worship. How do I do it? You cling to the cross of Christ. You remember that cheesy song that I sang in Romania. Light of the world, he stepped down into darkness. God became flesh. God didn't stay far away. He entered in for your sin and even your self-righteousness, which is his filthy rags before God. He came towards it. But it's better than that. He moved through it. And he wants to continue to move in and through your life by his grace, through your faith and through your worship. And you, clean, you don't ever forget the cross. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, no matter how many church services you've attended, you cling to it and you remember, God, I want to worship you and you alone. I'm in awe of you. How could you come to get a messy person like me? How could you use a messy person like me? You cling to the cross of Christ and you don't waste your worship. We're going to pray together. Uh, We're going to sing a final song together, and we're going to watch some people get baptized. Um, But for now, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, if you would, as we pray, as we respond. I would love for you to consider, if you're a Christian in this room this morning, what are you worshiping instead of God? Just every head bowed, every eye closed. What are you worshiping instead of God? If you can't, get specific. Maybe it is your words. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's just yourself. What are you worshiping instead of God? I want you to just to take a moment before God and just give that to him. Just ask God right now, right where you're seated. God, would you, would you take my money? Would you take my, my kids? I, I surrender them to you. Would, you. would you take my sin? Would you take even the good things I'm pursuing, like my job and career, would you, God, I've loved that more than I have loved you. Would you just give that up to him right now? If you're not a Christian, I would just invite you to first, hey, your worship, your first act of worship is to to give God your sin for the very first time. You can't cling to the cross if you've never placed your faith in the Jesus who died on the cross for you. 
you're gonna worship other things. If you don't know Jesus, it's gonna be a waste, guaranteed. And so if you're in this room, and maybe if you're just honest, you've given some vows, you've come into church services like this, you've gone through the motions, but if you're just honest in a moment, you've never actually given your sin and your life to Jesus, you've never put your entire trust in the cross and the resurrection, you've put it in yourself and your religious acts. And in this moment, I just ask that you would stop listening to me, you would start talking to God, and you would just pray to God, and you could pray a simple prayer like this, of Jesus, I believe in you. Right now, just where you're seated, if you've never done this before, you can just pray, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died and you rose again for my sin. And you can just tell him, I give you my sin and I give you my life. And if you prayed that prayer, that's your first act of worship. That's clinging to the cross and God can change you and you'll never be the same. And man, we would invite you today. Again, there are no accidents. There are, there are only appointments. We believe God brought you here if you prayed that prayer or if you've just never been baptized. We believe God brought you here to publicly declare your worship to him, maybe for the first time through baptism. And if that is you, we have men and women in the back who would love to talk with you. If you just wanna ask questions, you can do that. If you wanna get baptized, we have clothes, towels. We got you covered. We invite you to move. Don't just come in a church service, go through the motions and leave and waste your worship and waste your life. We invite you to move and you can just walk to the back during this prayer. You can walk to the back at any point in the rest of the service during the song. And we have men and women who would love to talk with you and love to, to see you baptized today. Let's pray as we respond. God, we thank you uh, for today. God, I thank you for these men and women. God, I, I pray that we would all collectively right now, whatever way you're calling us to, we would respond. We would listen and we would respond to what your spirit wants us to do right now in worship to you. Whatever that is, whatever it is, God, we wanna give a, a life surrender to you. Help us to respond even as we sing, even as we experience baptisms. We pray that in the name of Jesus, amen.